Happy Thanksgiving Day from NBC. For a special holiday salute, we interrupt our regular daytime schedule to bring you the spectacular Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It is now time for one of our biggest shows of the year every year. Time to jump into yet another Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's correct, Matt. The 60th Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade from 1986. So 1986, we knew we were going to get to this particular parade eventually. It is genuinely one of the best ones ever. You're absolutely right. And you just don't realize that this is the best until you do a deep dive like we did. It's hard to go on the record with this, but it's also hard to imagine that from pillar to post, there is any better Macy's Parade. This is so good. Yeah, it's a gold mine. Even the boring bad stuff is awesome. Right. And you do have to have sort of a keen eye. We were talking about this off the air. You really do have to pay attention to get the most out of it. It's almost like a a college history class. It absolutely is, because there are parts in this parade where if you're just scanning through on YouTube, say on mute, it doesn't look like much. But when you hear what's going on, you're like, (laughs) what? Yeah, it's a complete experience. But this morning, one of the stars of Saturday Night Live got up very early to make the scene. She is Victoria Jackson. Very much fun. I wish I could take it home with me, but probably only his eyeball would fit into my apartment. (laughs) November 27th, 1986. The hosts were Pat Sajak from Wheel of Fortune and Stephanie Kramer from something else. I don't know. Hunter. Hunter, yeah. Is that a show you watched, Jay? I mean, I dabbled. (laughs) You dabbled. Of course you did. An adult crime show? Of course. Why not? How about Pat? What did you think of him as the host? Listen, it's timely because Sajak now is retiring from Wheel of Fortune. But back then, he was a huge icon. I've calculated he is capable of coughing up a 20-foot furball, but that's just an unofficial estimate on my account. He has aged pretty well because he looks pretty much exactly exactly the same. same. (laughs) And this is like, what, 40 fucking years ago almost? Yeah, and he handled some of these moments that you might freak out. He handled them pretty well. Yeah, he's got a dry sense of humor. It really worked because this parade goes off the rails in almost every segment. (laughs) I mean, literally almost every segment is like, what happened? We're going to get into the highlights of the parade, Matt, and some of the commercials that aired during the broadcast. Yes, we are. But before we do, a quick shout out to Bman78 on YouTube. Uh, A bunch of people uploaded this parade, but he had the cleanest copy, and we appreciate his effort in sharing it with the world, Jay. Yes, thanks, B-Man78. I'm going to dive in tonight, man. I'm going to start things off. Let's go down to Herald Square. We also have the Cabbage Patch Kids float here today. You're going to see it in a moment, furnished by Coleco, with uh, Joey and Matthew Lawrence from Give Me a Break on board. But is this for me? 
This is a terrible gift. I mean, there's nothing... Oh, magic. I think we have magic. Oh, we have holiday magic. Isn't that nice? Thank you both. I'm very impressed by that. My goodness. Television is magic, and I think we're all feeling that this morning, huh? And there's the float we talked about. That was the Cabbage Patch Kids. They were performing right there at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. The actual Cabbage Patch Kids. What an impossibly bizarre, complete mindfuck of a parade segment this was. Oh my god, how could we not talk about this? Well, you came in in the clutch just before you even get started because I was considering this and then I dropped and you're like, well, someone's got to fucking talk about this <laughs> shit, so I guess it's going to be me. <laughs> at the zero hour. So we've got the Cabbage Patch Kids now. I'm going to say probably right at the peak or if not a little bit after the huge Cabbage Patch Kids phase was like maybe 84, 85. Yeah, I would say this is a little long in the tooth, but they're still relevant. They're still relevant and they're actual people who have giant Cabbage Patch Kid heads. So right then and there. It is a weird kind of thing because they're babies, not actual adult humans. They're babies that tower over everybody else, (laughs) and they are doing very decidedly non-baby things in this segment. (laughs) Totally. So I couldn't remember anything about the Cabbage Patch Kids other than that you adopted them, and I had one, and it was a big craze. But the lore is that this guy, Otis Lee, who was the bald Cabbage Patch Kid, He's like the captain. He's the number one guy. I'm Otis Lee the Great, and I'm here to stay. You won't believe what you're about to see. With my magic wand here, I can make you disappear and turn you into what you like to be. May we have a volunteer, please? I'm assuming that he is like the baby head that you see in the Cabbage Patch logo. Yeah. But now a- it's like he's grown a fucking six foot body. And he is dressed as a magician. He's also got the Lawrence boys from Give Me a Break, Matthew and Joey, who back then were like the Jonas Brothers. A slight exaggeration, but (laughs) I will say that they (laughs) appeared at like every 80s Macy's parade. Yeah, they had some deal with NBC. I honestly can't think of one that they weren't a part of in some way. I know, they're still on them just for old time's sake. They're in the audience somewhere. (laughs) Yo. So they're all magicians and Otis is like the main magician. They're helping him out and he's got the magician hat. He almost looks like the Monopoly guy though. I have that note. He looks exactly like Uncle Moneybags. It's Uncle Moneybags with a complete baby face. And he's got all his Cabbage Patch friends dancing with him. One of them wants to be a baseball player. The other one, Sybil Sadie, wants to be a clown in the circus. So this Otis is going to make it happen with his magic while he's cutting one of the Cabbage Patch Kids in half in one of those boxes. We literally begin the segment by seeing a halved Cabbage Patch Kid flailing its separated legs. I'm like, I don't think many little children have seen this particular trick and they're probably horrified right now. It's most amazing. It's unbelievable. How does he do it? 
so Otis does his magic. And this is where things go completely into the stratosphere. Otis has a wish that he wants to become president of the United States. So they start to have this crazy confetti blowing parade. What I wish in my modest way is to be president of the USA. He's kicking off his road to the White House. Yes. He's driving in a Tiffany car. Vote for me, Otis Lee. Vote for me, Otis Lee. Otis Lee for president. It's absolutely nuts. The sharpest right turn you've ever seen. Yeah. I'm going to vote for Otis Lee. To this day, I would use him as a write-in candidate. <laughs> yes. I mean, probably this cycle more than any other. Otis Lee, yeah. It takes you completely out of the parade, and you buy into this shtick. To me, it just felt like one of those cases where you had a boardroom, and instead of picking one idea, they went with all of them. Yeah. It's like, you know my mantra in life is keep it simple. The quickest way to describe this segment is that it's a live song and dance routine starring the Cabbage Patch Kids that doubles as a magic show, and the magician secretly wishes to be president of the United States. <laughs> yes. What the fuck? But I am ready to PayPal their campaign fund. Oh, you should. And then Sajak completely abruptly just changes the subject when they finish performing, and he hands it over to the East Hanover, New Jersey marching band. There it is. That is the Sajak segue. He completely no-sold it. He couldn't wait to move on from this complete insanity. Whereas you and I would be talking about it 20 minutes later still. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Can you I mean, believe it? <laughs> it's going to be hard to get through the rest of the show without continually bringing up the Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> of winning superior ratings and band competitions throughout the eastern United States. It used to be kind of a habit, and it's one habit that director Andrew Stackow and his fine young musicians just don't want to break. From Hanover Park High School, the Golden Hornet Marching Band representing East Hanover, New Jersey. Special American tribute from actor Robert Vaughn and the Metropolitan Opera's Robert Merrill. All part of your Thanksgiving fun here exclusively on NBC. Send in the clowns, Jay. <laughs> the first thing that jumped out to me was the kind of rocky appearance by distinguished actor, the late great Robert Vaughn. Yes. True thespian, a very serious man. Mm-hmm. I guess I could summarize this by saying that they picked the right role for him, but put him in the very, very wrong setting. So our Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, was written in 1787, and they decided to celebrate its 200th anniversary a little early <laughs> by having Robert Vaughn read the preamble. You know, the we, the people of the United States, that speech. Right. Hello, and welcome to the 200th anniversary of the Constitution. 
welcome. Hello, Pat. How are you? Nice I'm to see you. I'm just fine. You know, 1987 is a very important year in our history, and it, uh, it will be celebrating a very important document. And I know you have some words to say uh, about it and uh, from it. The distinguished actor Robert Vaughn, ladies Thank and gentlemen. You. These were the first words. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, but here's the problem. For reasons that nobody could possibly be clear on, they decided to have Robert Vaughn do this while surrounded by circus clowns. <laughs> do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Not one, not five, a horde of circus clowns. Do you think they passed it by him, though? Like, hey, listen, by the way, while you're doing this... No way. There is no way. In fact... As far as I'm concerned, they were not meant to be a part of this act. Oh, absolutely not. They were probably only supposed to be like waving to the crowd or whatever while this was going on. But once they saw Robert Vaughn standing two feet from a TV camera, they shot their shot, Jay. Oh, they absolutely did. They were getting behind him, like gawking at the camera, <laughs> smiling, waving. It was like one popped his head into frame and then it's like, I don't know, it was like a swarm of locusts. Yes. Well, I don't know how many clowns we have. I don't know that there's an official count in this parade, but uh, we could stop counting somewhere in the thousands. They're like practically trying to make Robert Vaughn crack right up in his face. Yeah, he's got to see the screen in front of him that's playing that back to him. <laughs> yeah, no, keep in mind, while this is happening, he is reciting the preamble to the Constitution. <laughs> Very seriously. And secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United <laughs> States of America. Totally deadpan, like absolutely serious, while the clowns are all over him. He was acting like it was his biggest role ever. And it probably was. I mean, can you imagine this poor guy? There's no way he would have signed up for this if he knew that those clowns were going to do that. I studied Shakespeare, damn it. <laughs> so the producers obviously see that this is turning into a complete fiasco. So they put Vaughn's head in a bubble and overlay that on like random footage of a marching band. Right, to eliminate the clowns from the background. Right, so it, I mean, it's like, you know, quick thinking, but the problem is that when he finishes his speech, they forget to cut it off. Yeah. So he's standing he's there standing just there. like in the bubble. Completely awkward. Darting his eyes around, not knowing what he's supposed to do. This is such a perfect example of why the 1986 parade is such a mega one. This is one minute out of a three-hour broadcast. No cartoon characters that we know. No float. No big balloon. Robert Vaughn reading the Constitution <laughs> manages to be this much of a highlight. Absolutely. I think if you were to tell me that this was on your list before I went and re-watched this parade... I would be like, really? That's your pick? When I describe it, it's like nothing. But when you watch it, you're like, holy shit. The late, great Robert Vaughn. Get these clouds out of my shot! <laughs> <laughs> Stop this clock in the round! Crystal Gale sings on the turkey float, and the Garfield balloon flies into view. All coming your way on NBC.
was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring except Fievel the mouse. Presenting Fievel, the adorable star of Steven Spielberg's presentation of the Don Bluth film An American Tale. Now collect all four different McDonald's stocking ornaments featuring Fievel. Each one comes free when you buy the perfect stocking stuffer. A $5 book of McDonald's gift certificates. This holiday season, give a terrific surprise. Free Fievel stockings with our gift certificates inside. All right, before we get back to the parade, why don't we take a commercial break, Jay? Let's do it. There was an insane amount of great commercials during this parade. We could have easily done a show just on those. You're right. We were actually tempted to. Yes, yes. We're going to settle on just highlighting a few. One of the spots that jumped out to me was for the Fievel Christmas stockings from McDonald's. Yeah, I remember these. Oh, this was big. This was a free gift for anyone who bought a $5 pack of gift certificates. And oh my God, I have so much nostalgia for this. Yeah, I, I want to hear about it because like for me, these weren't big. I remember them being around and I saw the movie in the theaters and everything, but this didn't really get my butt into the seat. I'm surprised to hear that. This seems a little bit up your alley. You like mice. <laughs> Maybe Mickey. <laughs> so Fievel, of course, he is the mouse. He is the star of American Tale, which you did see in theaters, you said. I've actually never seen the Oh, you movie. never saw that? It was a big deal in the animation world. I feel like I don't need to see it to like Fievel. He's a mouse wearing clothes. That's good enough for me. Yeah. And here he appeared on a set of little, awesome, cute McDonald's Christmas stockings. Yeah, I felt like I don't need another mini stocking. I already got one that I glittered my name into in preschool. I did the glitter thing too, by the way. I used the silver and I was so fucking proud of that shit. So the stocking... If you look at it on eBay, you're picturing one of those really, really shitty mini Dollar Tree stockings. Mm -hmm. I have one. It's actually not even that small. Yeah. It's really cool. Imagine heading downstairs on Christmas morning. You plow through your presents. Then you yank out a book of coupons from this Fievel stocking that guarantee you a trip to McDonald's. Yeah, if you got the certificates in the stocking, that'd be pretty cool. But I probably would have loved it if it was the stocking and you put your hand in and it was like a little action figure of Fievel. <sighs> See, I just made it so much better. <laughs> I mean, you did, but how much are we going to invest? They're giving you this thing for free with a $5 book of gift certificates. It's a pretty good deal already. I have an observation, though. Ronald actually appeared in this Thanksgiving Day Parade. He was conducting a marching band. What a missed opportunity that he didn't have the Fievel stockings hanging from his conductor baton. Absolutely should have, though I will say that I know the exact moment that you're talking about. And Ronald, he was like gritting his teeth while conducting. I'm like, wow, that man, I don't know what the fuck was going on with it, but he looked like he had to take a fucking shit, man. <laughs> It's not only the destination, it's the journey itself that makes travel exciting. Throughout the West, our superliners now offer hospitality hour every afternoon. Bingo games with prizes. And after dinner, a first-run movie. All aboard, America. All aboard, Amtrak. So, Matt, the commercial I picked is Amtrak. And I know at first you're like, hmm, why is he picking that? That was my first impression, yes. This is a huge nostalgia trip for me. 
So you're watching these commercials for things like United Airlines or whatever. Amtrak was like that because it was something that we would usually just tune our brains off when we were watching a show. We didn't need to see this. It wasn't for us. Of course. But this had that jingle, All Aboard Amtrak. All Aboard America. All Aboard Amtrak. Yeah, that's fucking great. I remember singing that with my sister, which is something that gets stuck in your head. So even though we didn't care about train travel, we knew the song. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have noticed while I was watching this, I'm like, hmm, this isn't the first time that you've picked a commercial that had an ad jingle that sounded like a Bruce Springsteen song. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like your secret thing. (laughs) No, it's true. They made traveling by train seem like a pretty cool thing. Oh, God, yes. So like it wasn't anywhere near as fancy as they depicted it in the commercial because they sensationalized it but they made it look so extravagant where there was these people milling around with cocktails and there was this hospitality hour where they served dinner and drinks and you played bingo watch movies to play bingo first run movies first on run i couldn't believe that so i'm thinking hmm 1986 that could be trick or treat Oh, my God. (laughs) Could you imagine watching Sammy Carr while on his Amtrak? And they call it a superliner. I'm like, man, I want to be on the superliner playing bingo games. It did look pretty high tech. Have you ever seen the Hunger Games? Like that super fucking fancy train? Like, wow, this cannot be at all accurate to the real experience. It's a fucking Amtrak train. I know you're not a Teen Wolf fan, but I wanted to do the Scott Howard surf on top of the train when this was playing. Well, I'm sure that (laughs) reference is going to be beloved by somebody, but I have no fucking idea what he did on top of that thing. (laughs) He was surfing on top of a van. I was saying I'll do it on top of a train. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I could see you doing that. And I absolutely also could see you singing this at a karaoke night. (laughs) Acapella. Next time we go out. Awesome. (laughs) About three years from now. Yeah. <laughs> A stairway of stars extending over mirrors and flashing lights. The world of rock music all dressed up in colors of hot pink. What am I talking about? Well, it's all part of super show business in this new multi-level float furnished by Mattel. Now, right now, for their first appearance ever on Broadway, it's Barbie and the Rockers. And with them on the float, the youngsters of the theater uh, and dance alliance known as Tada. So, go, Barbie. Let's head back down to the parade, Matt. And now we have Barbie and the Rockers. And Mattel was really rocking it back in 1986 with the float that they had, which actually got used a few times. It's not even a really good looking float. It basically looks like a pile of Legos. I think I made that observation before, but yes, big surprise. Jay's picking the Barbie float. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was all neon colors. It was pretty cool. So Barbie and the Rockers, obviously, a lot of people thought it was Mattel's response to Jim. Although, from what I've read, Mattel claims that they had Barbie and the Rockers in mind long before they knew what Jim was. There is no way that it was not a direct response. First of all, like they can only go so far with Barbie. But if you look at her backup singers, they are like literally the fucking holograms and the misfits. Can we talk about the backup singers and the band? So they got Dana, DD, Diva, and Derek. I'm not surprised that you know their names because they said them like 18 times during this performance. <laughs> So, okay, this song, I'm so into it. Bored <laughs> with a mic in our hand, it gets stuck in your head. It's oh, like it's good. Awesome. Pretty much all of the Barbie songs from the Macy's Parades, they are earworms. You may not even like them, but they'll get stuck in your head no matter what. Mm-hmm. We talked about this, of course, many, many times about... How when you were a kid, if you were a boy, buying Barbie dolls wasn't acceptable. So Barbie and the Rockers was directly for me. It's like rock and roll, hot women. So let me ask you, did you rely on your sister to pass them along? Or did you actually, in this particular case, just outright ask for Barbie and the Rockers stuff? I never asked for them. And my sister was already like aging out of them. It was pretty much my neighbor who had them, so I would just kind of admire hers. Oh, I remember this neighbor. She's the one that you only hung out with to play with all the girls' toys. Yeah, she had awesome toys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you so. broke her heart. Barbie comes with free Rockers cassette. Dolls each sold separately. Barbie and the Rockers. This was a crossover, though. This is one of those things where I was huge into MTV. That's all I did. This was for me. Did you notice the Smurf? I did the random Smurf walking by the stage. So there is a Smurf. He's not just on screen. He's so on screen that it takes you a minute to realize that he's not supposed to be on screen. Right. You think that they're just part of the show. And he's dancing <laughs> along to the song. Keep in mind, Smurfs is definitely not a Mattel property. Yeah. So he's not supposed to be out there. And he is. It's fucking awesome. This parade rolls. It's so amazing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when people say, I wish it was the 80s again, this is why. Any of the issues during that era, we had world hunger, apartheid. But hearing this song heals the world. Absolutely. If they ran this instead of We Are the World, they would have made even more money. Exactly. Mike in their hand and a song in their hearts and Herbie and the Rockers. Here comes some more clowns now. Welcome back. Happy Thanksgiving. The next unit we're going to look at, furnished by the Samuel Goldwyn Company, is a parade first. Half float and half balloon. They call it a falloon because bloat was the only other choice, and that was silly. Now, on board, you're going to see Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, and they are stars of their first animated movie, The Chipmunk Adventure, and here they come. This morning, they are held in baskets suspended underneath a hot air balloon. Also along to share the fun, their co-stars, the Chipettes. 
LJ, it is time for the Chipmunks. I can't wait. The Chipmunk Adventure hit theaters in May of 1987. It's only natural that they would appear at this parade to help promote the movie. You know what's interesting is that the Chipmunk movie was originally supposed to come out Christmas of 86. Oh, really? They had reshoots? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> the Chipmunk Adventure starts Friday at a theater near you. It did get delayed and pushed back. It should have been out a lot earlier. I actually saw that movie in theaters. I assume you did too because there isn't a movie I could bring up that you didn't. I love the Chipmunks as a kid, yeah. The only thing I remember about the Chipmunk Adventure, which is an animated movie, by the way, of course, is that they had Honey Nut Cheerios Mm -hmm. right in frame. And I was always so blown away by that. Like, oh my God, Honey Nut Cheerios in a cartoon? I can't believe it. I can't believe that. But this was no cartoon. This was live action. So they have the costumed Chipmunks, of course, but they also have the costumed Chipettes. Yes, the Chipettes. And the chipmunks, they're all right. They look cute. But the chipettes, I don't know, man. You don't like the chipettes? Well, I like the chipettes just fine. But, I mean, if you remember the cartoons, the thing about the chipettes is that they looked a little more human than the chipmunks. So to translate them to costume characters, I don't know how successful these costumes were. Even Alvin didn't look like Alvin. Alvin had a fucking giant seam right on his head. It was obvious that there was some mask mishap. No, that was to keep the hat on. What? It was like an elastic band to keep was the hat it? on. Well, I mean, it was very untightly. <laughs> but nothing compared to the chip outs. All right. I think it was Elm Street 5. Maybe it was 6. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But there was that scene where Freddy killed the girl by force feeding her. And her cheeks get all like bloated out. Yes. They all look like that girl. Don't talk with your mouth full, dear. You are what you eat. <laughs> well, they're chipmunks. They got nuts in their mouth. No, it. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> I was frightened, man. I'm sorry. They were like scary looking chipettes. All right, I was kind of seeing past it because the song rules. The song is another fucking earworm for it's sure. So good. Pat Sajak, he introduces this by referring to what they're performing on as a falloon, which is part float, part balloon. Must have been something going on with that balloon because they never show it. Alvin is in the hot air balloon and the finale is supposed to be that he like kind of goes up in the air and you see him sort of doing it, but you're right. You never see like a wide shot of the whole thing. That balloon must have popped or something or <laughs> someone spray painted the word fuck across it because <laughs> they refused to show it. <laughs> it's obviously mirroring the plot of the movie where there's like hot air balloons. You see things from different lands. I can't believe you remember that much about the movie. I never would have made that connection. Though now that you mention it, it was, I think, even on the poster. Yeah, with the hot air balloon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they were, uh, this wasn't just a happenstance kind of like tie-in. They were really trying to make it like movie theme. That's cool. And the whole set of the falloon was... Falloon, my falloon. <laughs> but did you notice, though, okay, you mentioned the chipettes. I'm going to give them a little bit more credit. Jeanette seems to be a little unsure of herself. And this is how deep I thought into it. She's nearsighted and very clumsy, so maybe she was just in character. Well, that would certainly explain what I saw from that particular costume character in this parade. <laughs> I mean, the fucking choreography and the dancing was it was actually kind of like a stand-in-place time warp. 
Lots of thrusting. Oh my god. I'm like, Jesus Christ, chipmunks, chipats. Keep it in your pants. I have to say, though, I don't know why this segment in particular isn't way more famous than it is. If you think back to where we were mentally in 1986, this is definitely one where we would have dropped everything and watched the television. Thanksgiving celebration continues after this. On Saturday night's main event, the best in professional wrestling is coming your way with plenty of excitement for the whole family. Jake the Snake waits for the Macho Man. Rowdy Roddy Piper wants to settle an old score. And Hulk Hogan defends his championship title. When the bells ring on Saturday night's main event, whose corner will you be in? So let's go back to it with another set of commercials, Matt. So I'm going to kick things off with Saturday night's main event. Oh, yeah! We have listeners who don't really consider themselves wrestling fans, but back in 1986, it really was at an all-time high. This is like the height of Hulkamania. Right. Even if you were around back then and you weren't a wrestling fan, like you knew the storylines, you knew the characters. That's how mainstream it was. It was crazy. They had a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, they had a Saturday morning cartoon, exactly. I used to quiz my mother and my grandmother. They knew all the characters because I wouldn't let them not remember them. Oh my God, <laughs> your grandmother, huh? Yeah. Nice. When you're watching a show on Saturday night that had all these superstars, this felt like such a big deal. The idea that you would see anything that was kind of sort of targeted at us late at night unheard of back then you had randy savage with miss elizabeth versus jake the snake roberts boom that's done i'm in and not to mention you had rowdy roddy piper defeat bob orton Mm -hmm. cowboy bob orton you should have asked him about that when you had that 35 hour (laughs) conversation with him at monster mania I'll be right back. I'm just going to go say hi to Roddy. We talked about everything. The convention was over by the time you came back to me. (laughs) You're exaggerating, but like the time out of his life that I took was pretty exorbitant. You don't choose a lot of people to be verbose with, but when you decide to give somebody your full attention, you don't hold back. (laughs) It was awesome. And then, of course, Hulk Hogan versus Hercules Hernandez. And I loved Hercules. I was a huge Hercules fan. You know, one of my good friends as a kid was also like crazy about Hercules. I never really got it. But I will say that this is the era when I liked him the most, when he still had the long hair and he was a little more animalistic. Earthquake, you might scare a normal man, but you're not going to scare the mighty Hercules. Only the strong. So this was a really badass show. You say, hey, we're going to put the show on at 11.30. I mean, I don't know if you could ever score a 9.7 rating like they did. It did preempt Saturday Night Live, so there was, like, you know, some built-in... There was a built-in audience a little bit, yeah. How fucking big wrestling was that it would preempt Saturday Night Live, and, like, they would make a huge deal out of this. This was, like, a big event. 
as a kid, I always falsely believed that those events were live and not pre-taped weeks prior. And then it's like, as I got a little older, I'm like, wait a minute, Hulk Hogan's probably not in Detroit, Michigan, wrestling Hercules at 1230 at night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite Saturday morning friends will be on tomorrow morning, just for you. Really? Really? I'm so excited. That's the Smurfs, Punky Brewster, and Alvin and the Chipmunks tomorrow morning. Holy macaroni! Catch all the magical fun tomorrow morning. Am I going to love this or what? Another spot that jumped out to me is one that I know that you were considering bringing up yourself. Mm. It was the promo for NBC's Saturday morning cartoons, which would air in a special Friday morning time slot because kids had off, of course, the day after Thanksgiving. Unprecedented. Unbelievable. This was so cool. Lost in the shuffle when we cover these parades is how they really did signal the holiday season for us as kids. And what better way to symbolize that than getting Saturday morning cartoons on a fucking Friday? They're thinking we could have some great ads to get into their brains for Christmas. Oh, that's what it was all about. It's not like they had any real big investment in putting Punky Brewster on a day early. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, these three cartoons that they promoted here, the Smurfs, Punky Brewster, the Chipmunks, they're okay. Those would not have been my top choices on a Saturday morning in 1986. That was the thing. There was so much to choose from, and it was hard to make your choice. But I did watch Alvin and Punky. I think I was out of the Smurfs by that time. I think that was more when I was younger. Smurfs was always like the thing you went to when nothing else was on. It's like you were always happy to watch them, but you never picked them over the cool stuff. Right. I looked up the schedule from 1986. I think for me, it would have been real Ghostbusters and Muppet Babies that year. A hundred percent, definitely. But this was great because it was almost like, and I think we've said it before, it was almost like must-see TV. It was a block of great stuff, and you didn't take your eyes off it the whole time. Children of the 80s, the reason that it's so hard for like people our age to let go is because we were overserved in oh. every arena. Everything was geared to getting our eyes and attention because I guess we control the dollars in our household. Right. We were spoiled. Well, I'll tell you, last year there was a very exciting uh, first here at our parade, the dramatic arrival of the Masters of the Universe Princess of Power Float furnished by Mattel. And here to describe the action this year is the star of the new Masters of the Universe feature film, the very dapper, the very tall, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Thanks, Dolph. Matt. Where's Vanna? She couldn't make it, I'm sorry. <laughs> but here again is the dramatic Castle Grayskull. In this setting, He-Man battles the forces of evil. Back to the parade, Matt. And now for the second year in a row, we have the Masters of the Universe float. This thing was so elaborate, and this is possibly one of the greatest moments in Thanksgiving parade history. Oh, it's not even just possibly. It's definitely. This is an absolute masterpiece, the parade segment to end all parade segments. Such an intricately detailed float where it started out with gray skull. Then there's like a bridge with a dragon breathing steam. And then it went into Crystal Castle. 
the most elaborate float that I can think of from any Macy's Parade. In fact, I don't know if you subscribed to the He-Man magazine back then, mm -hmm. but they had that centerfold that showed you what it was. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so insane. And I love that it was Mattel. It was official. It wasn't some knockoff. So you had all these actors playing the characters and characters that you didn't see the year before. Well, some of them you saw before. No, they added a whole bunch. They added a whole bunch. Yeah, we'll get to that. And I think the costumes were so high quality and they paid so much attention to the details. Even the weapons were accurate. I cannot imagine how much money they must have spent on all of this between the float and the costumes. Insane. The whole thing was introduced by Dolph Lundgren with Pat Sajak. So Dolph comes in looking like a badass, this suave, giant man. Right. Obviously, he's there to promote the fucking movie. He's there to promote the movie that doesn't come out until, like, August of 87. Danger lurks at every turn as D-Man faces the evil horde. The first thing he says to Sajak is, where's Vanna? Oh, my God. Hey, Pat, where's Vanna? <laughs> but I'm like... Yes, that's what I want to know, Hornball Dolph. I absolutely can picture you saying that, but it was obviously a uh, unplanned moment because Pat was like, oh, uh, "Yeah, she wasn't invited." Shut up! Shut up! Where's Vanna? She couldn't make it. Sorry. I've read a lot of blogs and articles, kind of knocking him, but I think he did a fine job. It's Dolph Lundgren. Who cares? It's still He Man, and it lent that extra cred because you're like this guy played he-man of course i want him to talk i wrote about this parade like 20 years ago and i'm sure i railed on dolph but the truth is that's what you want from he-man he was like a little bit too cool for school here yeah he's exactly. chewing gum he looks like a fucking pro wrestler at a contract signing <laughs> just amazing and this time around it was better than the year before with the camera work and the choreography everything seemed a lot smoother they had this synthy adventure music playing while they're fighting. The 1985 version gets a lot more play online, mm -hmm. but the 1986 version, as crazier as it is, it's actually much better because of what you're saying. They locked it all down. They actually show you the characters in close-ups and stuff. Yeah, I do have some complaints because you don't really see some of the characters that are on Crystal Castle. Like, you barely see Orko. You see him for like a second. You barely see Tila, she's there, and you barely see Hordak. Well, I mean, you had to barely see some of them because they had literally like 25 people. Many an evil character has been defeated at my sword. His hands of this mighty hero. But the characters that we did see, Mosquito, Clamp Champ, Snout Spout, Squeeze. Okay, Squeeze. Just for anyone who doesn't know who Squeeze is, he is a green snake man with like 20 foot arms. <laughs> And they actually did that character in a costume. Yeah, it was it is, I'm like, it's literally a guy walking around with 20-foot arms. But he looked like the actual action figure. Like, if you walked up to this guy, you'd be like, that squeezed the action figure. It was 100% accurate to the action figure, which, yeah. by the way, is the most insane action figure in the entire Mattel Masters of the Universe collection. The fact that they had the balls to try <laughs> to even do this. I can't believe it. I'm so proud of them. Never daunted, He-Man continues his quest for good. So you got to see all these characters. And again, I cannot stress enough. I'm a novice cosplayer myself, Matt. And I mean, these things <laughs> You're are... You're something of a cosplayer yourself. Yeah, these things are absolutely nuts. For the honor of Grayskull, I am she 
joke whenever you post the parade footage is, oh, this is better than the movie. In a way, it was because it was so accurate to the cartoon. What a time to be alive. I wasn't there in person, but if there ever was something I would have wanted to witness in person, this would have been a sight to behold, Matt. When you went back to school after Thanksgiving break, it was all everyone was talking about in yes. class. Like, did you see He-Man yes. and Thanksgiving? Oh my God. Before we go, I have a plea. I want Mattel to release a vehicle of this float as like a SDCC exclusive. As I understand it, they do a lot of crowdfunding for these giant things nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah, let's if do that. If they did that, there is no way it would not be funded within two days. I would fund it in 12 minutes. I would buy 30,000 of them. People think you're kidding, but you do have seven Snake Mountains. <laughs> That is actually brilliant. They really, really should do that. And there's no reason they can't because they own everything about it. And it's staring them in the face. It would, like, I, I you know, I don't buy toys anymore. I certainly don't buy expensive I'm making ones. you verklempt right now. I, I can barely get words out right now. I'm holding my chest while I speak. I would absolutely buy that. Even at the $799 price point, it would certainly be at. Listen, I've got a pretty good track record with some of this stuff. So if this comes true, I will be a pig in shit. Well, you've said it on the show. So we're like T minus two years from it becoming a reality. <laughs> Together, He-Man and She-Ra will fight evil. And they will win. Dolph, nice job. Glad you did it. I didn't want to have to rough you up or anything. If things got rough, it was rough, but I do. <laughs> Look who's coming up here. That beloved childhood favorite, Mother Goose, has arrived at Herald Square. Wait a minute here. Says Mother Goose, but she bears a striking resemblance to Phyllis Diller. I wonder if Mother Goose would sue for my saying that. No, no. Now, wait a minute. What have you to say, Miss Goose? All right, Jay, I have saved my best pick for last. Take a deep breath, center yourself, because we're about to talk about Phyllis Diller. Yes. Gone but never forgotten, Phyllis Diller. We have covered her on the show before, and the thing about Phyllis is that no matter what you get, you know it's going to be something memorable. Absolutely. If you told me that she started Thanksgiving in 1986 by pounding eight Boilermakers, I would absolutely believe it. <laughs> I was about to say, is that true? <laughs> Look, there is no way she wasn't at least a little bit drunk here. 
Phyllis Diller, she is there to portray Mother Goose of storybook fame, you know, big hat and all that. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was a bad omen when early in the broadcast, like an hour before her actual appearance, she does an interview as Mother Goose and she seems completely insane. You could barely hear her because there's a New York ambulance blaring <laughs> as it slowly rolls behind her three feet away. The honor of being the 100th balloon to appear in this parade today. It's just amazing. All the King Sarsis and all the King's men couldn't put Humpty together again, but Macy's dinner and he's even flying. I think it's so hard. Would you like a chicken, Stephanie? Oh, uh, no, thank you, Mother. Actually, I have a turkey waiting for me later. Oh, so do I. Bang. It was unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're kicking off with Phyllis. And then much later, like an hour and a half later, she makes her official appearance. And what an entrance. Phyllis as Mother Goose rolling down 34th Street in a giant goose car. <laughs> and no Cinderella. Now, wait a minute. You hear the hush just like fall over the crowd as this woman comes rolling in screaming <laughs> well i mean you couldn't hear her at first <laughs> no so the idea is that phyllis as mother goose would kind of like park the bird and read little rhymes about some other storybook characters and celebrities that were following behind her hickory dickory dot the mice ran up the clock the clock struck one and some escaped without injury <laughs> Hickory, hickory, so right when Pat throws it to Phyllis, you see her kind of fumbling around with something, and then you realize that it's her headset, and her headset isn't working. <laughs> she cannot hear Pat Sajak. She cannot hear the producers for the entirety of this five-minute, extremely complicated performance. You actually see, at one point, one of the producers frantically run up to her. her. Yeah, he's like, go, go! Talk, talk, talk! <laughs> This is live television. You're hearing all of this. You're seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> so she starts the performance, but because she can't hear any of the cues, she can't really communicate with Pat for their like pre-planned segments. It is just nonstop insanity. I'm sorry. Some of these Mother Goose stories just have a very weak plot, but I've hired some new writers. Yeah, but it was a good reading, and that's what counts. Next in view is... I've hired new writers, yes. <laughs> Next in Wait view... Wait a minute, what's what? coming here? Oh, well, I'll it tell you. I'll tell you. Cinderella's carriage. <laughs> it's passing you. I'll say this about Phyllis. These things happen. It's a live show, right? But if this happened today, like, picture, like, one of today's celebrities, if something got this off the rails. Yeah. They would try so hard to make it look like it was just technical difficulties, not their fault. Of course. Phyllis is all pro. She's going to go down with the ship like nobody else. That's the thing. You don't know if they actually wrote this for her or not, because she's talking about the three hunks behind her and how they're all hers. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, like, there's all these, like, weird innuendos in her speeches. But of all the places to stick it, it's Mother Goose. <laughs> Rub-a-dub-dub, three men in a tub, and who do you think they be? It's Eddie and Larry and a hunk named Hank, and all of these boys are for me. The only time that we really catch that Phyllis is, like, kind of frustrated. So at the end of it, she's talking, and the float just starts, like, driving away while she's still, like, in mid-act. And she takes the microphone and throws it at the producer and then rips off the headset and does it again. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Insane. Consider this. We're in a parade that stars He-Man, Skeletor, the Chipmunks, and Pat Sajak, and somehow <laughs> Phyllis Diller might be the thing that pops out brightest. Do I see a float? Wait a minute. Is, isn't that a float with a great handsome prince on it? And, 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 and no Cinderella. Now, wait a minute. I want to be Cinderella. I was never meant to be Mother Goose. No. <laughs> yeah, it's you'll be Cinderella. Sure, sure. Nothing else that can really compare with Santa Claus. And once again, Santa has guided those reindeer of his all the way down to the North Pole. We appreciate him putting out that effort for us every year. And he's here to wish everyone happiness and joy in the holiday season that I guess we can say now has officially begun. Matt, that was our Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade broadcast. What do you think? Oh, my God. You know, this really might be the best ever. There's this special feeling about this one in particular that was just very nostalgic. Almost every parade, even the ones before this, there are large portions where you're kind of like, eh, I don't, I'm going to like look at my phone or whatever. Right. This is three hours straight where you're kind of just glued to the screen. There's just so many little nuggets. Okay, so let's go through. I'm going to exclude the commercials and just focus on your picks. Actually, I don't even need to list them. It's got to be He-Man. It is a genuine contender for the best ever parade moment from all the Macy's parades. I want an HBO Max documentary on this. Just think about all the moving parts. And then you're adding Dolph Lundgren, who is historically a difficult guy to work with. <laughs> and you're having him do this. I know. <laughs> on live television. Danger lurks at every turn as D-Man faces the evil horn. I can't blame you for picking that. And the one I picked from yours, no contest, Phyllis Diller. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, now, wait a minute. Listen. Now, it, wait a minute. <laughs> It just so happens that it was both of our last picks. We knew where our main events lied, Jay. Yeah. I love Phyllis Diller, especially in Scooby-Doo form. And of course, we brought her up, I believe, for the Horror Awards. Yes, where you go into it like, what the fuck is Phyllis Diller doing at a Horror Hall of Fame award show? And she rocks it. Yeah, she's like always funny. No matter what you give her, no matter how bad it gets, she's going to find a way to make you love it. Sometimes we have a robot pop in, but if we could have Phyllis Diller as like our third co-host. Don't say that because you know <laughs> I'm on team. Let's do it. Welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. I'm Phyllis Diller. I, in fact, you know what? I think we need to fire the robot. And get someone who could do a Phyllis Diller. Now, wait a minute. Well, it ain't going to be me, Jay, because this is my Phyllis Diller impression. <laughs> what a silly waste of resources. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was a great show. And, Matt, it just so happens that on our Purple Stuff podcast bonus show over on our Patreon. Yes, we are doing an extra bonus this month. It's up right now. We loved the commercials in this broadcast, like we said. We wanted to do one more set. So if you go over to our Patreon, which is at... Patreon.com slash Purple Stuff. And you sign up at our $6 tier, you will hear us talk about two more commercials from this broadcast. And of course, more fun to come. 
And thank you for checking that out. And you guys have been the best. Thanks for listening to the show. This has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. I am Jay from Sludge Central. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. Today's broadcast of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, sponsored in part by Oshkosh Bagosh Children's Wear, the genuine article since 1895, by AT&T, the right choice, and by McDonald's. It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. Sure to tune in later today on NBC for exciting NFL action. At 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join NFL 86 and host Bob Costas. Then it's on to Dallas for the tradition of Thanksgiving Day football as the Seahawks take on the Cowboys. Happy Thanksgiving. This is Bill Wendell speaking.